basically. Let's go around the horn, and I'll assume if you give me a go, you've got no instrumentation problems. Booster? Go flight. Retro? Go flight. Fido? Go flight. Control? Telcom? Go. TNC? Econ? Capcom? Go. Surgeon? Go. ONC? Go. ASD? NRAO? Go. Network? Go. You got everything up? Hello, I'm Ian Christie, and this is Terranaut. Today on Terranauts, we have the second part of my conversation with Dave Kendall, the uh, quintessential Terranaut. Uh, before we get started, though, um, Dave had asked me to correct one small inaccuracy first part of our conversation. Uh, we got a little bit confused, and uh, we thought that Prime Minister Brian Mulroney and uh, President Ronald Reagan had had their meeting before Mark Garneau, the first Canadian astronaut, flew. Uh, it turns out that, in fact, Mark flew before that meeting. And Dave noticed the uh, inaccuracy when the podcast was published and wanted me to make sure that I made that correction. So with that being said, we're going to rejoin my conversation with Dave Kendall at the point where I am asking him about going to Mark Garneau's launch. So, so I have to ask you this: Did you go to the launch? Did you go to Mark's launch? Absolutely, it was a fa fabulous, uh, uh, fabulous experience. Um, yeah, I've been to three or four launches, and but that one certainly sticks in my mind. And, and, and I, 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 one of the things that sticks in my mind, curiously enough, is the uh, sort of logo that we used, which was "The Moose is Loose in Outer Space," <laughs> because we were being sponsored by Moosehead Beer. It was I see. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but what was it like to to witness a space shuttle oh. launch? I mean, I, I know I've described it, but I just like to hear hear what your experience of it. Um, unbelievable. Um, you know, I, I, one has one has to experience it and uh, to get the to get any effect at all. It's, it's like it's like the same thing that uh, uh, the astronauts tell you about when they're up in space. You know, I can describe what it's like in space and looking down at the Earth, but yes. I but I cannot give you the the um, no. emotions of it and and yeah. to stand there a couple of kilometers away two or three maybe miles away from the uh from the actual launch to see the puff of white smoke and just and the thing rise into the air and then several seconds 10 10 15 seconds later to be hit by this absolute wave blast of uh, of noise and and power and that sort of knocks yeah. you back yeah. is uh is absolutely an incredible it is, experience. It is a full and, body uh, experience, that's for yeah. sure. And, and knowing you, you know, and knowing in that you got your your friends, your colleagues on board, and uh, this this is a risky business. I mean, this is a yes. very very risky business, as we found out of you know a couple of years later in '86 when the Challenger um, uh, disaster happened. So, so. Um, what do you do for an encore to working uh, on the first Canadian astronaut flight, Dave? Well, um, I, after that, I, I got stuck into uh, to helping the, the Canadian science program and, and the great scientists we have in this country. We have some fabulous, fabulous science, scientific uh, uh, expertise in, in Canada in, in all sorts of areas in in, in um, I don't want to go into the, any details or name any names, but you know we we do we we don't we don't <laughs> is a strong pitch here. Um, we don't recognize and promote these people uh, strongly enough, in my opinion, um, because uh, because and they've done 
they do continue to really achieve uh, amazing things, um, much much more than than the size of our country or the numbers of you know of, of universities we have. Um, these people are really really outstanding, and and I and I took on sort of position really to say okay. Um, let's work internationally, let's work with our Japanese colleagues, our American colleagues, our European colleagues, etc., Indian colleagues, and, and let's start to work together to, um, um, because we didn't have a launch system, so we weren't, we weren't putting up our own satellites at that point. Um, and uh, so let's, uh, let's work with them at uh, developing uh, contributions that we can make to their scientific programs. And, and we were very successful in that, I think, for a, a number of years. And in fact, I think that's been the hallmark of the Canadian um, space program, effectively. We've got the big program, you've got the, you know, right now we've got the gateway, um, but we have the shuttle program and, you know, we have the radar sat program, the, the, the many hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, then you've got the the research program, which is you know the STDP program, science uh, space te technology development program, and and it's like uh, to develop the uh, the ground based stuff. And then we've always had this middle ground, which unfortunately we've we've sort of not lost exactly, but we uh, unfortunately due to various various reasons, and we don't need to go into this, has been um, has been minimised in the past while, where we've put instruments and uh, and done science um, and technology and develop new technology um, on internet with international collaborations and that's really where I started to really focus my uh, my my uh, my career I realized that you know I I could have continued to try and do science but I thought I could actually provide more bang for the buck if I sort tried to um, develop this uh, this competence i would say in, uh, in and and was there a moment when that when you sort of realized that that's what what you know well i'll call it your calling i think that's fair yeah um you know when when you realized that that was your calling not not the the science itself but the coordination of the scientific efforts that that was where you you know what you were going to do as a vocation yeah i think so i think that roughly in in the mid to late 80s i realized that that was really where i I think I could make the most uh, most effect, have the most effect. Um, uh, you know, I, I could have, as I say, I did continue to do some science, but but basically, I got more and more involved in the in trying to negotiate and work with international partners and our and our, right. our space science community uh, to give them opportunities to uh, to show how good they were, and they they right. are really very very good. Yeah. So so you know you spent probably 20, well, late 1980s, you know, 30 years doing that. Was Are there any bits of that that really stand out to you as, as moments that, that you really look back on and, and think that you were glad you were there? Oh, yes. Uh, many, many, um, you know, I, I can think of, I'll just give you a couple of examples here. Um, I, could, I could go on and on, but um, so, so, we talked about uh, WAMD. Um, WAMD, of course, didn't uh, didn't pan out. Um, uh, they it, it was cancelled in the end because NASA had changed their views about how to uh, how to put payloads on the shuttle. But we um, we managed to uh, take that and build an, an, a, an amazing instrument. Um, Gordon Shepard again uh, is the leader of something called WINDY, which is the Wind in Imaging Interferometer, which flew on the upper atmospheric research satellite. That was really, I think. A breakthrough for Canada, and, and um, uh, because the upper atmospheric research satellite, uh, which again was one can think of Wayne Evans's balloon now put into space, because it had uh, about 15 instruments on board, 
um, all measuring various aspects of the upper atmosphere, upper atmospheric research satellite, um, and they were measuring it together and in coordination. Um, and but it was an operational satellite. It was supposed to produce um, data that wasn't just science data, but that that had to be produced sort of day in day out um, uh, for uh, for analysis by a, uh, an independent science team. And and that was the first time that that Canada had built an instrument which was really, I would say, an operational science instrument. Um, and they gave us the and they gave Canada the opportunity to do that to show if we could do it. Um, uh, and that worked extremely well. I mean, it worked for 15 years um, and uh, uh, produced tons and tons of, of data, um, really outperformed, um, but gave us then the, uh, the, the credentials to go ahead and say, okay, we've done this. Now you can rely on us yeah. to be part of an operational program, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, not, just, not just a science program. So there, you know, other, other, other missions that, uh, that stand out to me is the Swedish Odin satellite. Uh, where we were working with France, um, we're working with Finland, uh, we're working with the Swedes. Um, and that was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, uh, I think about uh, bringing it up to date the James Webb Space Telescope. I mean to say, um, we have the we have the key piece of the James Webb Space Telescope. We have the fine guidance system. If our piece does not work, uh, JWST is dead. Uh, so, so that is a, an amazing um, responsibility. Um, and there are many, many other. Uh, programs that we, you know, that we've uh, put together. Moppet was another one. The, the measurement of the pollution in the troposphere. James, uh, James Drummond's in 1999 when, when it flew, um, which was uh, again an operational instrument. It had to produce carbon monoxide data uh, regularly and uh, reliably uh, for for the program. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and we, and we can go on. I mean to say, you know, and, and then and then then we got involved in the small satellite business early in the two yeah. thousands in SciSat and in most, and then of course we had NeoSat. Um, and I think we were very really early promoters of a small satellite program. But uh, unfortunately, due to other again circumstances, it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't continued. You know, the thing is though, thinking back to Windy, as you said, I mean it it's hard even for me. I mean, you know, I got you know, started working in the space program in the mid nineties. And, and while where I was at NASA, Canada was still very much a junior partner, but Canada was the country that made the Canada arm and Canada, what, you know, Canada was a member of the spacefaring club. As far as people were concerned, we, we did have some bona fides at that point, but, but those were hard won. And, and when I talk to people like you and people like Mac Evans, who remember a time when, when no one thought Canada had any business being in space. And Absolutely. I mean, things really did change. I mean, that's, you know, Canada is seen as being an experienced spacefaring nation now by, I mean, there's lots of countries that have tried to create space programs actually modeled on the Canadian one. Yes, they um, have. But yeah. that was not true in 1980, the 80s, when you were working on that stuff. No, so. no, no we, built, we built it up carefully and gradually. And, and I had tremendous support, uh, you know, from uh, people like Ian McDermott and, uh, and, and, and Roy Van Kunert, who were the, uh, of course, the uh, Jerry Atkinson, who were my bosses at, uh, at this, in NRC, and then Barry Wetter and others uh, once we once we became part of the Canadian Space Agency in 1989. So so yeah. so well we we can't get away at the you know we we don't have that much longer. So we do have to talk about uh, the United Nations Committee on the Peaceful Uses of Outer Space. What is that, Dave? 
well, it is one of the largest committees of the United Nations. Um, it's uh, frankly a very successful committee of the United Nations, well, whereas a lot of committees are very unsuccessful, one might say. Okay. Um, it currently has 93 states members. That really? means that there are 93 countries, I mean, it's 95 now, um, who are full members of the committee. Uh, that is out of 193 states that are members of the UN, yeah. but all of the all of the major players and the minor players in space are, are members. Um, it meets, uh, it's, it's, it's a committee which was set up uh, back in 1967, I think it was, uh, anyway, a long time ago. Um, and uh, uh, I should know that exactly, but I don't. Um, uh, it, uh, it's, it's run, it, it's, it's basically there to, to look at the science, how to collaborate and work together uh, collaboratively and how to put in rules um, and best practices uh, wow. that can be agreed upon by all these states in order to make um, uh, to make uh, space safe, sustainable, um, secure. So, so, so how does little Davy Kendall from Twickenham uh, <laughs> go from from spotting uh, you know tail numbers of seven oh sevens to to being the chair of one of the UN's largest committees? I mean. Did you have to pinch yourself uh, on the yeah, day no, that no, they no, told no, you no, that no, was no, going to happen? Yeah, I, I, I did. I mean, it was, it was a little surprising when I, I was nominated, but, uh, but, uh, but how, how did it started effectively? I would say back in 1990 when I was when I joined something called the International Space University as a faculty member. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, um, and one of the areas that uh, and I was teaching uh, space science, of course, in space science department. But one of the areas that I found very fascinating in those days was they had a space policy and law department. And uh, people like John Logston, who is sort of basically sort of the father of uh, space policy, one might say. Um, and, and, and back in uh, the CSA, a good friend of mine, Michel Giroux, in those days, who was looking after the international relations, I, I was fascinated by, you know, what do they do and, and, and why is it important? And I started to get more and more drawn into the fact that policy um, really is, <laughs> frankly, probably the, the, bottom, the bottom line of what you're going to know it about. Is. It uh, is. And so, um, so, you know, and I was as through this uh, career path of mine where I was uh, working with internationals, I realized, you know, that we had to. I had to know a bit about policy and how to work with internationals, and and early on, you know, I became, a, as you said, a vice president of the International Astronautical Federation, um, following on from the footsteps of great people like uh, Renjan Jar and um, uh, Karl Deutsch and others yeah. uh, who had led the way for me there, um, and uh, and then I uh, I was uh, bureau on the bureau of COSPAR, the Committee on Space Research, etc., uh, etc. Et anyway. Um, chair of the IADC, the Interagency Space Debris Coordination Committee. I, I did a lot of international stuff, and, and and fortunately, my bosses allowed me to do this. Dave, which is Dave, Dave, you got to space by going to a lot of meetings. Is <laughs> absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, anyway, I uh, I started to uh, I, I started to then go about in the mid 2000s, about 2008, I think maybe was my first. Um, uh, expression of going to, or, or my first opportunity to go to, um, uh, to the, uh, uh, to, Co to Copio, sorry. To oh, okay. The, the committee. 
And, and I was first of all there as a, a giving pre presentations. I then um, started to be the uh, Canadian delegate at the Science and Technology Technology um, Subcommittee um, and le leading the desk effectively. Um, and then I started to lead the desk at the uh, main committee meeting, uh, surprisingly enough. Um, and there was a there was a bit of a uh, it's, it's an interesting. I don't need to go into this in any detail, uh, but this is normally uh, a, a position which is held by um, global affairs or foreign affairs. Um, but the foreign affairs group that looks after space is, looks after a tremendous amount of other things and was happy to effectively um, give the CSA an opportunity to, uh, to, to take over that and keep them informed, obviously. And then in uh, 2014, I think, when, um, uh, when it came the uh, opportunity for the Western and WIOG, the Western European and Others Group, because there are five five groups of you know yes yes okay. here, um, to uh, to nominate a chair. Um, I got a phone call from um, the head of the U.S. delegation uh, out of the blue, saying we've been talking here uh, and we think you'd make a good chair. What do you think wow. about it? So wow. I said, you know, after I had fallen off my chair and yeah, it was like, back up again. Yeah, say, uh, say that again. <laughs> yeah. I, I went, I went to the my uh, my president at that point in time, amazing man, uh, Walter uh, Walter Chunk. Nitinchuk, yeah. Nitinchuk, sorry, Walter Nitinchuk, who was, uh, and I said, Walter, I just had this interesting phone call um, where the U.S. would like to nominate me uh, for the chair. What do you think? He said, nah, do you want to do it? He said, sounds good to me. He said, right, rolled up his sleeves and made it happen. So there you go. Wow. That's how it happened. Wow. If it wasn't well, that, for Walter, it, I mean, yeah. it, it, But it must have been a little surreal walking the halls of the UN and, you know, going through the doors that you need that special color pass to go through. And yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's really being at the center of an organization that most of us have only a very you know, cursory knowledge of. It must yeah, have been it's fascinating. A, it's a complex committee. It, 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 and one of the interesting things is it works purely by consensus, oh which means- 93 you, people consensus. Yes. That, you that is one, some serious cat herding, Dave. One state that says, I don't think so, it ain't gonna wow. happen. Um, so, you know, as chair and as, uh, as working with your delegation, and we had a great delegation and still have a great delegation yeah. from Canada, um, you have to start, you know, talking to people, making them see the, um, see the, um, the benefit of, uh, of agreeing to certain, uh, certain ways uh, that we need to work. And, and it has been successful. Um, we, we recently just put out uh, and during, uh, fortunately, can can Canada's presidency. It's not my presidency. It's Canada's presidency of or chair chair of the uh, of the agent of the um, of of the, the committee. Uh, we just put through twenty one um, new space sustainability guidelines. The first time that we put together or the committee has put together by consensus a major major set of uh, rules. One might say um, non binding, but uh, for almost thirty years. For anybody who doesn't understand what an achievement that is, I defy you to get ninety three people in a room and get them to agree to two things, much less get them all to agree to twenty one things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was it was something. It was quite something, and uh, and is a good and and you know I think 
what is shown is that you can do it. And now we need to work even harder to start uh, putting in guidelines for things like space resource extraction, um, uh, you know, space exploration programs. And and there's a, and I'm still involved and still interested in, in developing some of that with, uh, with colleagues. You must be a very good listener, Dave. <laughs> I, I have to think that that job must have been one of, of endless conversations, but conversations where you really had to listen to what people were trying to, you know, not what they were saying, but what they were trying to tell you, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, one of the interesting things about the committee is that, of course, there's a tremendous amount of geopolitics goes on, um, of obviously. Um, and the, the structure of it is that, uh, you know, each of the states can give statements, and they, those statements come from the capitals. Yes. And those statements basically said that we are the greatest in the world and, <laughs> and, and we are we are being screwed by a bunch of other you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, non-nameable um, uh, mm. countries that are not allowing us to really uh, really um, <laughs> really be as successful as we should be. Okay, so that's what comes from capitals. Then you get the people together, you get you get the and these are long, long haulers. These are people who have been there for a long time right. and you get them at a, at a reception or you get them. You you you, have, you meet them for you know lunch or dinner or afterwards. They are all amazingly uh, in tune with the fact that space is fragile, space is dangerous and we need to work together to get something done. And so it is the quality of the people in the end that I found um, very, very uh, uh, positive, um, even though they have to make these, right. well, uh, I, I'll say ludicrous statements that yeah, come from yeah, yeah. Their, well, and, their and in, a, in a weird sort of way, it's either the obverse or the same thing as what you were talking about with Mark's flight, that for all the posturing at the end of the day, um, you know, there's a job that needs to be done. Yeah, you can either decide to do it or not do it, and it's correct. and it's correct. And uh, anyways, I I still think that that is a, a major accomplishment. I think it must have been fascinating. What a fascinating way to go to space with with you know the rest of the world along with you. Yeah. Um. So we're we're nearly at an end here. Um. And you know, um, one would be tempted to believe that after having spent two years as the chair of Copios, you you know, that's kind of the the end point of a career, but it's not really. Um, you're you're still pretty active uh, for for a gentleman who still doesn't make this his full time employment. Uh, what are what are you up to these days? Having to do, I, I I like to try and help people if I can with my some experience that I've had, and so I'm I'm on the board of something called For All Moonkind, which is a great <laughs> great group of people uh, um, that are trying to preserve artifacts uh, in space. Um, I'm I'm on the board of uh, SEDS Canada, so I like to try okay. and help the uh, the next generation as much as I possibly that, that's can. That's the students for the exploration and development students, space, right? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, students for the exploration development space. Quite right. Um, and the wonderful, wonderful team of people. Let me say that they've they've really brought this. Uh, I, I work with them a bit too. I really like yeah, them as well. They are really great. Um, I'm also. Uh, uh, one of the main my main interests right now is working with a couple of colleagues at uh, UBC at the University of British Columbia, and together we set up a um, a new institute called the Outer Space Institute um, a couple of years ago. Um, it's a virtual institute, um, and uh, we're interested in seeing what we can do to assist uh, Canada, especially, but more in more internationally develop some of these policy issues that uh, that we've been talking about you know things like space debris things like right, space resource right. uh, management um, um, things like uh, space traffic management uh, 
uh, areas where where the international community needs to get together and because i have a lot of contacts within uh, the the copious uh, com community um and 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 mac is mac evans is part of this uh, sort of team one might say um and uh, together we're trying to see what we can do to uh, to push the um uh, push the yardsticks forward a little bit well it has been fascinating talking to you today dave and, and i i realized halfway through our conversation that probably the thing that is unique about our conversation compared to all of the other conversations I've had with Terranauts, you named more people that you worked with by probably a factor of 10 than <laughs> anybody else I've ever talked to. And it, it must have something to do with the success you've had in the way you've had it, that you, you are always at pains to recognize everybody that you have worked with yeah but but it's a really interesting lesson in the fact that i said at the beginning nobody gets to space alone um nobody has done it with as many people as you have maybe david <laughs> but but it is true that you really don't get to space alone and i'm really glad that we had a chance to talk today to talk about that well, thank you very much, Ian. And and you're absolutely right. I'll, my my last, I would have said this as my last statement is that yes, it is a team sport. I have been very very fortunate throughout my career to work with some amazing people. The amazing people at the Canadian Space Agency I haven't even mentioned, um, who are who every day try and uh, bring Canada forward uh, with respect right. to this right. this program. They we just have richness of talent in this country. I wish the government some some days and most days would recognize that a little bit more strongly. Yes. Well, as as do many of us who've been doing this for a while. Well, thanks very much for being on Terranauts today, Dave Kendall. Yeah, great pleasure. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of Terranauts. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon. Come on, let's keep the chatter down.